You're listening to St. Pius X Catholic Church in Lafayette, Louisiana. Thank you for joining us. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. The last line of our gospel reading today. By your perseverance, you will secure your lives. And as we come to the end of our liturgical year, uh, this weekend is the last weekend of ordinary time. Next weekend, we'll celebrate Christ as our King. It's kind of our end of year party or maybe a New Year's Eve party. Uh, and then the following weekend after Thanksgiving, uh, we'll begin Advent, our new year. And we celebrate that a little differently than the world. Uh, we celebrate it in a solemn way, preparing for the arrival of Jesus at Christmas. We celebrate, obviously, the actual incarnation, him coming as a human being, but we also celebrate it in the spiritual sense of him coming in our renewal. In other words, to strengthen us in our faith and in our hope and in our charity. And so when we hear by your perseverance, you will secure your lives, the question becomes perseverance in what? Perseverance in what? And I guess the easy answer is perseverance of holiness, of becoming more like Christ in the lives that we lead. But we really have to unpack that a little bit and what that means. You know, in our first reading today, we hear of uh, the symbolism of fire and heat, fire that destroys. We see that in the gospel all the time. And that fire or heat that lifts us up. We think of the Holy Spirit, right? That purifies us, that purifies us. So we think of one part of that symbol being destruction, the other part being purification, and we think the Holy Spirit. And that's part of the paradox of our Christian faith, you know, is that in being destroyed, in losing our life here, destroying our fallen life, then we can be built up in the life that God originally intended to be good people all the way through. But we've got to get rid of the old life, and that's another symbol that we use all the time. That would be water, huh? Water. Now, yesterday morning, as we do every Saturday, we had baptisms, and we pray for the newly baptized uh, at Mass on the Sunday after. But in baptism, there's the dual symbolism of death and life. So we think of death, think Noah and the flood, right? And then when we think of water, I think of water flowing from the side of Jesus, giving us life. And so we have these symbols that have this dual and apparently contradictory meanings. And then we have to recognize that, hey, that's us. And so when we say in our perseverance, we will secure our lives, what it really means is by losing our lives, we secure our lives. And that's the paradox of the Christian faith, is that by dying ourselves, to ourselves, and allowing Christ to both lead us and guide us, we are being purified by the good fire, fire of purification, and hopefully given the life that waters of baptism symbolize. But that's easier said than done. It's much easier said than done. We look at our second reading and there's St. Paul trying to help 
the folks there, apparently, again, apparently he came, he left, he gave them orders, and he's saying, we, we worked for you, we're trying to be good models for you, and you're just not taking it, quit acting like busybodies and minding other people's business. We worry about that all the time too, don't we, by the way? Some things never change. We're trying to figure out what's on our plate and what's not on our plate. But what is on our plate is what Paul talks about is the continuing work, and sometimes it's drudgery, and it's difficult in order to allow Christ to transform us, to change us. Because we don't want to give up who we think we are. We don't. We're autonomous beings. We're independent. We think we know what's best. The first sin was pride. We'll question God when his church maybe gives us a directive about what's the best thing to do. We're kind of like, I don't know if I'm going to do that. And it's okay, certainly, to delve into and try to understand what God is doing, but we'll never understand him. That's why we call it a mystery. We have to be commanded at times and simply do because that's what we're told, or not do because that's what we're told. But we have to see ourselves as children, huh? It goes back to the humility that we talked about so much at the beginning of the year with discipleship. You know, we have to recognize that we're helpless. We can't help ourselves. We have to recognize that God is God and we have to recognize that we are sinners, that at times we fail. And we thank God for our responsorial psalm today. God rules the world with justice, but not our justice, his justice, his justice. And his justice is different than ours here on earth. The virtue, the natural virtue of justice is simply giving what is owed. God's justice is trying to restore us to where we once were and had lost by our own, by our own sins, by our own rejection of him. And as we look at the predominant themes of these last few weeks, you know, the four last things, death, judgment, heaven, and hell, we have talked about the reality of all of those things, that yes, unfortunately, uh, all of us will die. That's the result of original sin. That's certainly going to happen, and that's why we have the sign over by the Marian altar for those in our community and those loved by our community who passed into the next life. And at that time, we will have judgment. And I said, the measuring stick is Christ. You know, and we look around the church at the stations of the cross, and we think, okay, that's our measuring stick. Do we measure up to the love of Christ? And then we know that there is a heaven, Ask everybody to raise their hand if they want to go. I think everybody would say yes, and we must believe in it. But if there's a heaven, then there's a hell. Can't, can't be otherwise or we're not free. And if we're not free, we can't love and we're called to love. So when we look at the measuring rod of Christ and giving his life, it's important for us to recognize that what we do is we make of ourselves an offering to God to do as he pleases. We lose our life, beginning with getting rid of the bad, sin, allowing ourselves to be filled up with the good, the Eucharist, and any other grace that God gives to us. And then we accept the mission that he has for us, not the mission we want to fulfill, the mission he has for us. And he does speak to us in certain ways. I know I'm called to be a priest. My ordination tells me that. Those who are married, called to be married. Those with children, you're called to be good mothers and good fathers. Certain things we know for certain, and then there are other things where we have to kind of discern what's the best thing, what's the holiest thing, what, how is God asking me to stretch myself a little more in order to be rid of me and be full of him? 
And as we hear our Eucharistic prayer today, it'll be Eucharistic prayer three. Every now and again, people want me to announce what Eucharistic prayer it is. I said, I only do two of them, two and three. And everybody cheers when I do two. You know? Everybody cheers at two. And Father Poirier, you don't have to worry about it. You're either going to get with me, two or three. Father Poirier, he'll do Eucharistic prayer one very fast. You know? But we hear in that prayer that's sometimes glossed over right after the consecration, the third paragraph, we pray that may he make of us an eternal offering to you. In other words, may he, Jesus, make of us an eternal offering to God. That's what we're doing is offering back what little we have and letting God work with it in the way that he wants to work with it. It's a lot easier said than done. We tend to try to take over. And so over the next week or two, we have an opportunity to look at our lives honestly. Where are we living our lives for ourselves? Where are we living our lives for God? What part of us needs to be put to death and then allow God to purify us and restore it in the gift of his grace? So we will ultimately be happier here, even though for a while, like St. Paul, we've got to kind of work and deal with drudgery. It's not easy. But between now and then, we will hopefully do that before Christmas distracts us from a whole lot. I hope we have a focused Advent, but I'm just a realist. Most have a hard time with that. Most, the world certainly does. Hopefully we'll be able to, to maybe look at Advent in a solemn way of preparation for the real meaning of Christmas, that being the renewal of our faith. But it is a difficult thing the way the world celebrates it versus us. But I am glad that our new year is different than the world's. This gives us an opportunity early to really look at these things. And then next week, when we hit Christ the King, I think the question that we have to ask ourselves is, yes, yes, I, I do believe that Jesus is our King. I do believe that he rules the world. I do believe that he is willing to help me along the way. But then individually, we have to look at ourselves and say, okay, I believe that as an act of the will, but where is it in my heart? Do I really, really, really believe that he is my king. Because if I do, then I will allow him to do whatever is needed for me to walk the path to salvation. And I think that's where all of us can go is where does Christ not rule in our hearts and in our minds and in our charity. And that way we can prepare for that new Christmas with Christmas resolutions with our living God who wants to come and to bring us back to where we need to be, to restore us to true happiness as he originally intended. So let's make that our prayer as we recognize the reality of death and judgment and praying for heaven, that we allow God to work within us, to give ourselves up, to have the humility to understand that he's only looking after our best interest. His justice is his love. We merely have to permit him to work in us in order to effect it. 